Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. This is the 19th T podcast, Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy back with you for another week. And Drewster, we're doing it this week thanks to our great friends at Cobra Puma. Yes, always thanks to our good friends at Cobra Puma who have been uh, the real OGs of supporters, KM. They really mm. have. Uh, and of course, I've got a great read here for their Pro Adapt Alpha Cats. Now, you've got them already, I believe, uh, on the on the feet. You, you told me a couple of weeks ago that they were unbelievable and mine are in the mail. So uh, the Pro Adapt Alpha Cat, it's the king of comfort. And I'm sure that you can vouch for this, KM. They are extremely, extremely comfortable and they are extremely well-priced as well for a golf shoe. So make sure that you get into all good and some bad retailers. Try them on, uh, head online. You can follow all our friends on social media um, and hit the guys up at Puma for a pair of the Pro Adapt Alpha Cats. They are exceptionally comfortable. They will keep your feet cushioned for all 18 holes. If you're playing 36 like Marshy a couple of weeks ago, they'll do that as well. So make sure you get a pair of the Pro Adapt Alpha Cats on your feet, KM, uh, and I guarantee that you will be the comfiest man on the golf course. I'm sure you can vouch for me. Speaking of comfort, comfortably the best golf show I've ever owned. So (laughs) shout out to our good friend 40 over at Cobra Pima who sorted me out and the oars are on the way, as you said. Yes. Uh, They are a phenomenal golf shoe, like walking on a cloud for, uh, for 18. So... Would recommend. Drew, so plenty to get through this week. We had mm. seasons ending uh, left, right, and centre. Uh, men's European tour season ended. Uh, LPGA tour season ended. We've got uh, maybe the most anticipated golf swing of the last 12 months appeared on social media. Uh, we've got plenty happening here at home as well with a few events over the weekend. But we will, uh, as we start each and every episode, Crack open a beer thanks to our great friends at Gage Roads Brewing Company, WA's premier craft brewery, named after the strip of ocean between Rottnest and Fremantle. And rather, Druids, than toast any of our winners this week, I want to propose a toast to a very good friend of this podcast who's celebrating a birthday today, and that is Steph Kuriaku, who just so happens to be uh, right at the pointy end of the race to Costa de Sol, another uh, season that's ending next week on the Ladies European Tour. So we don't just wish Steph a happy birthday, we wish her all the best for the conclusion of the Ladies European Tour coming up this weekend. Drudsa, speaking of Europe though, um, it was the conclusion of the DP World Tour, uh, otherwise known as the Men's European Tour in Dubai of all places. Uh, of course, the conclusion of the race to Dubai. And I know this is a point of contention for you because Mm -hmm. you had your issues with uh, a man who'd made less than a handful of appearances on said tour uh, leading the race to Dubai, Curtis, if he's won at the Open Championship. Well, I can't imagine you're any more comfortable given he's won uh, the final event of year at the Earth Course. Colin Morikawa, a most convincing winner in the end with a remarkable Sunday performance, including five birdies in his last seven holes to secure both the win and the uh, season championship. It's a disgrace, Marshy. It's nothing short of a disgrace. And I am glad that you said that we weren't, you know, that we didn't toast Colin Morikawa at the top because I refuse to raise my glass to Colin Morikawa. Not the man, not his golfing ability, just the fact that he's able to go over 
and win the race to Dubai after playing a total of three non-co-sanctioned events, two of which he finished uh, T68 and T71. Like, so the guy goes over and wins clearly the Open Championship, co-sanctioned event, wins this event, and that's enough to win the race to Dubai, is it? I mean, it's... I think it's been relatively well spoken about. He was very emotional after it. It clearly meant a lot to him, but I just, I struggled to get excited for Colin Morikawa winning this event when I feel like I was looking at it today, the, the race to Dubai rankings. Like Morikawa played 10 tournaments, Billy Horschel played 11, Ram 9, Fitzpatrick 14. Like Matty Fitz, he's the winner. Well, and, and he almost uh, won this tournament. Yeah. Maybe not the, the race that Ibai wouldn't have uh, had, he, uh, had he managed to lift the trophy, but he went on an absolute tear at the beginning of his final round. Um, leaked oil there at the end, but Matty Fitzpatrick was certainly uh, making a use of himself for a period of Sunday. Drudes, uh, put your, I suppose, your issues with the structure and the format to one side. Can you get excited about the golf that Colin Morikow played? Uh, because we speak often about what we want to see from a tournament winner on a Sunday. We will get to what we saw from Jin Young Ko uh, at the conclusion of the LPGA season, which was uh, about the most complete Sunday performance you'll watch. But 66 from Colin Morikawa in the fourth round, including, as I said, five birdies in his last seven holes uh, when he had a bunch of people breathing down his neck. Fitzpatrick was one of them. Uh, McElroy of all names was also one of them for a period of time there. Uh, it was some pretty impressive golf down the stretch. Yeah, it was. It was impressive across the whole the whole thing. I mean, I, I believe that he lost uh, strokes putting again this week, which is bizarre. Um, and again, reaffirms our point of how good he's going to be when he continues to put it all together. His driving wasn't particularly great from it. was a very friendly time slot here. I managed to catch a fair bit of this tournament his iron play is just phenomenal it really is phenomenal and um you know we spoke uh, i think maybe you or i or we both agreed that he was the best iron player since tiger and i think he's he's continuing to reaffirm that let me read you something that i stumbled across uh, one of my favorite follows on golf twitter as i've mentioned many times before kyle porter uh, of cbs in morikawa's first 60 events as a professional Two major victories, six overall victories, four second-place finishes, 24 top 10s, only five missed cuts, $18.5 million earned, first to two majors in eight starts since Bobby Jones, first American to win the race to Dubai, 3-0-1 at the Ryder Cup. That's his record in his first 60 events as a pro. I think he's 24 years of age. Uh, this, this guy... <laughs> Honestly, he could be anything. Yeah. And I think that's the thing though, is like he could he could genuinely be the we, we spoke about DJ being probably the best since Tiger, that post-Tiger era. Mm. Colin Morikawa's got the opportunity to be the best since Tiger. Period. Regardless mm. of, of time frame, right? Um but Golf is a funny game, and, and I and while it doesn't look like anything can happen now, we said the same about Dustin Johnson, right? About eighteen months ago, when he went on that complete tear at the back end of last year. So, 
things are great for Colin Morikawa now, and he's in elite company, as you you just alluded to. But things can change very quickly um, for Colin, and I hope that doesn't happen because I I genuinely like watching him play golf. It is such he's a very interesting guy to watch him pick his way around a golf course, and the swing is you know clearly very very pure. So. Yeah, he's got a massive future ahead of him if he continues on this current trajectory. I mean, uh, dual major winner already. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a freakish player. It's interesting that you draw the, the target comparison, not because it hasn't been. It's seemingly the only comparison that gets drawn, and I think that's a, a function primarily of the iron play, uh, but also the prolific success at this, at this age. And it must be said that uh, I just read out his resume. It's incredible. Um, wouldn't do Tiger's resume at 24's shoelaces up, to be fair. No. Uh, and, and we continue um, to underappreciate how good Tiger was. But it's interesting that you bring it up in the context of watching that back nine. I, maybe for the first time, I haven't seen this, to be fair, in his other victories. Uh, maybe a little bit in the Open Championship, certainly not in the PGA, but it was a weird tournament, his first major, being no crowds. There was this, this resolute focus in him in the last nine holes of that event overnight to the point where it was almost a little little stone-cold killerish, which was always Tiger, right? Like, and that was the, uh, the epic rivalry between he and Phil. The difference was always Phil just didn't seem to have the level of desire or focus that Tiger had. Phil was always having a laugh, yucking it up with the crowd, and that was never Tiger. Tiger was – it was almost no one else was there. And and I saw that in Morikawa today, and I noted him walking up 18, you know, packed galleries, packed stands around the 18th there, people cheering, and he, he was announced onto the green and literally gave the smallest tip of the hat. It was as if no one else was there. The difference that I see in him was after, right? The flood of emotion that came, the post-round interview, he starts speaking about his grandfather. We never really saw that from Tiger, probably save until his father died. But even then, it was still quite reserved and conservative. And that, to me, he may not be as prolific as, as the greatest to ever lift the club, but I think he might be a little bit more balanced. And I think that's why he has an ability now to go and, and win a lot of tournaments in the next, say, four to five years. We're not going to probably speak about him in the same sentence as Tiger on volume, but this is a guy who I think might be the best since because he has both. He has the ability to balance himself. And if he improves his putting, watch out. Mm. Like I think that's that's the one knock that we have on him right now. It's a really interesting comparison to put it between – Phil and Tiger, and and we've spoken about the rivalry that Hovland and Morikawa have right now. But it's almost that's almost the the current day mm. Phil and Phil and Tiger. But I feel like it is becoming such a, a bigger disparity between Victor Victor over here and and now Colin just continues to pull away here. And that's not saying that Victor's not moving in the right direction, but Colin seems to be taking three steps for Victor's one. And, you know, he, it, yeah, as evident as evidence over the weekend. It's interesting. I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I think it's a really, it's a really good comparison because I think if you look at it, Victor probably does have a little bit of feel about him. Yeah. In terms of similar personality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't necessarily know that I'd suggest there's 
quite the gap in between them because I'm also cognizant that I feel it was only four or five weeks ago I was calling him probably the most consistent of his era, him being Hovland. Mm. Like, I, I think it's undoubtable that Morikawa has a higher ceiling. I just think maybe Victor has a lower floor. Mm. Oh, sorry, a higher floor. I yep. think he's more consistent week in, week out. The problem, I think, is that um, Colin A wins when it matters most. Victor doesn't do that. And and Colin is so impressive when he does. He, he doesn't just scrape through. It's always, you look at the, the PGA he did it. The Open was convincing. Today, he grabbed that tournament with two hands in the back nine and made it his own. He applied scoreboard pressure and others around him, Fitzpatrick, McElroy, Horsfield, uh, Hanson, uh, even Bobby McIntyre was there for a period of time and had a double, I think, on the 13th or, or, or 12th hole today. So people started to wilt around him. And, and we haven't seen that. Um, for a while now, probably I would think since Rory was in his prime of people getting a little jittery around a guy that hits a bit of a hot run. Yeah, no, completely agree. Completely agree. I think that probably contributed to Rory's implosion a little bit um, as well. Obviously, they were paired up together in that that final round. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely take your point. Let's go to Rory, uh, unless you have anything further on. On Morikawa's victory, although I would imagine you don't because you didn't really want to talk about it in the first place. No, um, I didn't. So. I just, before we get to Rory, can I just do my short shot shot of the week? Because we're probably not going to talk about the guy. Oh, yeah, no, that's 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 a fair point because Colin hit mine. That's a good oh, point. Okay. Um, I'll start. Uh, mine was Bobby Mack. He drained, I think it was like a 90 to 100 foot putt um, mm. on about the sixth hole yesterday. Um, double break and just perfectly timed it. So I'm going to give him my sure shot shot of the week presented by the brand new sure shot Pinlock 6,000 series laser of range finders with their fastest optics yet enhanced battery life and improved ergonomic case and internal magnet. The sure shot Pinlock 6,000 series of laser range finders will help you know the distance and play the best shot to get you on the green. What was Collins? Yeah. So I think this will be proof again that I haven't quite decided what I want this to be on a weekly basis, whether it's the pure, the purely best shot based on um, ability or does it take into account environmental factors like context and moment and pressure? Uh, because I, I haven't quite landed. I feel like I chop and change each week. This is definitely more of the, the latter than the former. Um, so uh, 16th hole, uh, final round, Morikawa sprays his tee shot, uh, left um, fairway bunker. So... The tournament's still very much in the balance here. Uh, you know, Rory in particular is starting to leak oil, but there's others around. And it's not the best shot you've ever seen, but in the context of the moment, uh, fairway bunker, he still had 100-odd yards to go, and he puts it within eight feet. Now, he goes on and makes that putt to birdie the hole, uh, which was unusual given um, what you'd flagged around his putting today. But that had the ability, I believe it was ended up being a two-shot swing, that hole, the birdie that he did, and, and those chasing, dropping a shot um, either in front or behind him as well. So I just think that moment, he had the ability to go to water a little bit. Coming from the bunker, he might have parred, worse off bogey, and he dropped himself back to the field. Showed to me where he was at in the final round. Uh, and again, not the most impressive shot probably across the weekend, but I think in terms of the platform, the most important one, absolutely. Yeah, no, it was a hell of a shot, uh, given the context. So I like, I like that one. Rory, uh, what's your what's your quick takeaway? I guess clearly um, imploded. Had a, I don't know, 
I likened him to a a guy who's gone out to the pub, thought he was fine after having a handful of beers, decided to have a couple of bourbon and cokes, thought he was going absolutely okay, and then just projectile vomited all over the dance floor and got escorted out by security. So I, I'm actually buoyed, encouraged uh, by this performance. I, I've got to tell you, I think you can look at it two ways, and I'm definitely erring on the side of this is a positive. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, sure, would it have been better for him to win? Absolutely. Uh, however, if you look at the the viral photo that's now doing the rounds, that looks like he went full um, Eric Banner in the Hulk on himself, ripped the shirt. What does that tell you? Mm, it's passion, right? And it's not what we we haven't seen it for a while. Thank you. That's exactly what. Uh, that's exactly what I take away from that. Mm. Is it actually meant something again that he lost? Yeah, and that's been absent yeah. for so long. And and we've referenced this a couple of times now in recent weeks. But it's as if the Ryder Cup, yeah, was a release of the pressure valve. Yeah, he agree. rediscovered the flame, and off the back of that, particularly the the Sunday singles performance. Um, where, you know, he pulled Xander Shoffley's pants down going out first. Off the back of that, his next tournament was a win at the CJ Cup. And yep. we all we all got really excited. We said at the time, Drew, we drink this Kool-Aid every year. He does this to us. He comes good in the fall. We all get excited about Augusta in April, and he'll shit the bed. But what I've seen here, now, in the weeks since there's been a couple of things going on, of course, there's been a little bit of talk. Is he Has he split with Pete Cowan? Is he back with Pete Cowan? Is he off again with Pete Cowan? He seems to uh, be getting the old band back together. He's going back to a few people he used to work with, rediscovering a little bit of passion. And, yeah, he didn't execute this week when it mattered, but he was clearly pissed off about it. And I am so encouraged by that. Like I couldn't have been, as weird as it sounds, happier to see that photo because finally I think a little bit of the old Rory might be back. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the benefit for him now is that he doesn't have to play until the new year. He's not playing the Hero World Challenge. He's not playing. I think the QBS shootout is in the next couple of weeks. European Tour is finished, so he's not playing until Hawaii next year. So the the disappointment of really what was the final six holes really of, of the mm. the tournament is going to burn with him for the next six and a half weeks until Hawaii, right? So he, you know, not that we know the guy personally at all, but what we know of him is he is going to go out and absolutely bust a full valve to fix whatever happened in those final six holes, right? So come January, watch out, I think. Mm. I think he's a red-hot chance to win in January or February, March, shit, come April. <laughs> I mean, we can only we, we can only dream, right? But you know, I think it's a. I think this is. Um, I think he he went full Jason Kokrak all in here on this this tournament and played all his chips, spent all his petrol tickets on this one, and was hoping to win this so bad, and he was in contention for so so long. And to have it pulled away by, you know, a complete bee's dick was, um, I think that's going to sting for him for quite a while. And the fact that he can't, you know, resolve that issue for another six weeks, um, I think that's just going to 
lead to a more hungry Rory come early 2022. Couldn't agree more. Uh, and as I said, um, I couldn't have been happier to see that photo. Really buoyed by the performance and and more so by the reaction to the loss. So yeah. Uh, we say that, and and yeah, he finished five shots back with a really leaky last six holes, and that was the difference. Yeah. Showed again that his best golf is enough to match it with the best in the world at patches of this weekend. So uh, really, really good to see. Uh, a couple more names here to mention. Ian Poulter, um, a resurgent 67 uh, Sunday. Uh, he and Saturday. Finishes, uh, and Saturday. He finishes in a tie for six alongside Rory McIlroy and South Africa's Dean Burmester. The reason I mentioned... Uh, Ian Poulter, Dreads, um, other than the fact that they like him, is that his performance uh, Saturday, Sunday, and his ability to leapfrog into a tie for sixth is subsequently bad news for Australia's Minwoo Lee. Yes. I because this. Ian Poulter has, as a result of his uh, tie six finish, jumped into 50th spot in the world. Minwoo Lee entered uh, this tournament in 51st, he leaves this tournament in 51st in the World Golf Rankings and therefore uh, may have to wait a little bit longer and perform a little bit better to secure that uh, top 50 ranking and the fruits that come with it. Yes. Yeah, I did see that stat. Felt a bit sorry for Minwoo. Uh, my mm. man Adri Arnaus, uh finished in a tie for ninth alongside a host of other players. Uh, opened with a 75 and then went 68, 68, 66. And the only other one I did want to mention just before we touch on the Aussies was Sam Horsfield, who played a ripping three days, 68, 66, 69, but then, uh, yeah, fell out the back door to finish T9 with a 74. He's a really exciting young talent, I think, for mm-hmm. um, for England. I don't I don't think he's going to be a future Ryder Cupper or, or anything like that, but he's just he's going to be a very good European tour player. Looks a hell of a lot like Hayden Barron. <laughs> from over here in WA. <laughs> um, there was a bit of doppelganger about that. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to shout out Sam Horsfield. And then, KM, you can whip us through the Aussies. So uh, we mentioned Minwoo Lee's name. He finishes at nine under and a tie for 16th. Uh, one shot further back is both Lucas Herbert and Jason Scrivener at eight under in the tie for 21st. And that makes up the Australians who contested the final event of the season. Uh, That's the Men's European Tour conclusion. Uh, We also concluded the LPGA Tour, Droids. Jin Young Ko is uh, on, I believe, what the kids call a tear, uh, (laughs) Droids. Phenomenal golf, like otherworldly golf. Yeah. Jin Young Ko. Not, not not just across this weekend, which we'll get to some specifics, but the run that she's on uh, in her last, you know, nine or ten tournaments, she, as a result of this victory, uh, did enough to secure the LPGA's Player of the Year, which is a points-based system, uh, unlike the PGA Tour. Uh, so she she just etched out uh, Nelly Quarter in uh, the LPGA. Uh, player of the year, Jin Young Ko, but a phenomenal golfing performance across this weekend specifically. But, you know, the last probably three or four months has been uh, like unicorn type stuff. Three, four, five wins in her last six, seven, eight. Yeah, I've got nine starts. Let me, let me run, you, run you through this. So 
Uh, this is courtesy of uh, Justin Ray. Last nine LPGA starts, five wins, four rounds. <laughs> How's this? Four rounds in the seventies. So she's had 29 in the 60s in her last for nine starts. 11 of those rounds were bogey-free, a scoring average of 67.4 and 87.8% of greens in regulation in her last nine starts. I don't know if you saw the stat, Trudes, yes. uh, that, that this week this week alone she hit 63 consecutive greens in regulation. That is... And- <laughs> like 63 she hasn't missed a green since what the the midway through the second nine on thursday like honestly that is dead set fucked <laughs> like <laughs> like true. i was true i heard that stat today because i must admit i didn't catch a lot of the lpga over the weekend but that is Unbelievable. And you look at her scorecard today, bogey-free, made six birdies on the front nine and three on the back um, to fire a a 63. Like like that is some ball striking. We're talking about Colin Morikawa being a good iron player. Jesus, Jin Young-Ko could be be nudging Colin Morikawa for that title at the moment. So here's a few more. This this is courtesy of uh, Ewan Porter, also a good friend of uh, the podcast. Uh, 25 of her last 26 rounds have been in the 60s. Mm. Phenomenal. Uh, she, uh, 16 rounds of 66 or better in 2021. Uh, and since joining the LPGA Tour in 2018, of 69 events played, she's made 67 cuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, Druids, that, that is beyond a joke. Yeah. Like, it's not fair at this, <laughs> at this point. Like, yeah, it's truly, it's truly remarkable. Um, and you look at... Uh, I mean, more broadly, and I don't want to get into this too deeply, but just as an overarching comment, the strength of the LPGA right now is truly phenomenal. When we look at the PGA Tour and and we probably think of genuine contenders at each tournament, if we were to have the top 20 in the world, even probably numbers 10 through to 20 at times are maybe lesser factors at some of these tournaments. You look at the LPGA like it's just not the case. Turning up to a to a field with, um, you know, over a hundred players this week, genuinely probably forty percent of the field was in contention this week up until sort of Jin Young Ko and Nasa Hatoka sort of pulled away over the weekend. Like it's in a phenomenal place right now, the LPGA, and probably and people definitely need to tune in and. I guess start to watch if you're not not already watching, and, and keep mm. watching if you are watching. Well, crazy! You look at the uh, the leaderboard. Celine Boudier mm. goes 65-65 Thursday, Friday. Mm. She she's finished five shots off the winner. Yeah, it's insane. Like, that's in in a tie for third. Yeah, like that's incredible. Uh, I just some of the golf that's being played. Uh, and, and, you know, we've said this countless times as well. Jin Young-Ko comes from the incredible nursery that is South Korea for women's golf. Uh, but 
yeah, she she is in uh, another sphere at present. She's you know she's playing chess. We're playing checkers, mate. Oh, that's Absolutely. particularly you and I. We haven't even opened the box, but uh, a phenomenal <laughs> performance from Jinyanko. Just quickly, um, thoughts on, and I like it. I want to preface this. I like the way the LPGA does the player of the year as opposed to other tours with the points-based system. Um, thoughts on uh, Jin Young-Ko edging out nearly quarter based on this. So Jin Young-Ko's uh, year, five wins, no majors, 13 top tens, scoring average of 68.8, nearly quarter, four wins, including a major, and in addition, the Olympic gold medal, which is not counted uh, as obviously a major in, or in points for uh, the year, 10 top tens and a scoring average of 68.7. So you, you'd struggle to go back in the in the archives and find a closer year between two players. Jin Young-Ko literally had to win this week to, to win, and she did everything that was asked of her. I don't have a problem with the result because I think probably on balance, she's done more across the course of the year albeit she had two more starts in the year than, than Nelly did. But uh, it probably wasn't um, built with this in mind. You'd have something this close. No, and, and it is un, unfortunate for Nelly, but I'm completely comfortable with mm. that. And the fact that it's not a um, – uh, the fact that it's based on points is like it's hard to argue with, right? Like, <laughs> you, you know, the PGA Tour is very subjective as to – you know, it's a committee of people deciding oh. who it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's um, it's very difficult to argue with, and I'm completely in support of Jin Young-Ko being the player of the year, undoubtedly. So, It was a really good weekend, Roots, uh, for the Australian women. So bearing in mind, this is, this is the end of year LPGA Tour Championship. You know, this is yep. the best of the best. So Minji Lee. Uh, finishes in a tie for fifth. Uh, she finished alongside Nelly Quarter and Megan Kang at 17 under. Uh, we had also Hannah Green at 13 under in a tie for 15th and Sue O uh, in a tie for 28th at nine under. So uh, Minji Lee, the, the forerunner there, she's had a great year. She, of course, won a major championship. Um, we had the question a couple of weeks ago, Druids, on the our first video episode, who is our next Australian major wearer? And I said, um, it's either Minji Lee or Cam Smith. And the only reason I would err towards Cam Smith is the pure depth on the LPGA Tour. But Minji Lee's had an exceptional year um, winning the major and, and finishing you know, top fifth in the last tournament of the season. Yeah, absolutely. No, she's been, a, she's been a superstar of Australian golf and really flown the flag um, for us. And um, I look forward to, to 2022 already with what she's got in store and um, yeah, that depth you talk about is certainly going to be there for a lot of, a long, long time. KM. So mm. looking forward to LPGA next year already. And just uh, finally on results overseas, Drew's the PGA tour, uh, we'll, we'll put our hand up and say, neither of us watched very much of this. I did not watch one hole of this. <laughs> the RSM classic at the Sea Island golf club, pretty bloody hard to get excited uh, when you've got, both the uh, season-ending championships of both the Men's European Tour and the LPGA, to give really uh, two shits about this tournament. Yeah. However, it was a maiden uh, victory for Taylor Gooch on the PGA Tour, a bit of a journeyman. I think he's had over 100 starts, Taylor Gooch, uh, for his first victory. Uh, names worth mentioning, Cameron Smith finished his season in a tie for fourth, seven shots back. 
Uh, and as I'm scrolling down, Adam Scott was in a tie for 37th at seven under. Uh, and we continue to go down. Uh, Jason Day missed the cut, Dreads, yeah. as did Maddie Jones. Cam Davis missed. Cam Davis missed. Jeez, it was a deep field. And yeah. Brett Druitt, Brett Druitt uh, well, obviously just receiving his Confair Tour card recently, Brett Druitt, and he's getting a start there at the RSM. Uh, one to mention there, I saw this courtesy of our good mate, Benny Everill. Uh, Jason Day drops out of the top 100 in the world mm. for the first time since 2010 yeah. uh, off the back of missing the cut this week. And speaking of world rankings, uh, a name I did want to flag, uh, Seamus Power. Oh, Keep an eye on this kid. Uh, tie for fourth uh, this week. Uh, the young Irishman, he has gone through the proverbial roof in the last probably six to eight months in the OWGRs, uh, is flying. So just keep an eye on him. Uh, Irish golf, and I want to be clear, I kind of separate Rory from the discussion of Irish golf because he's obviously one of the best to ever do it. But going through a little bit of resurgence at the moment, you know, we've come off the golden era of your Harringtons, uh, your Clarks, your McDowells kind of, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. That was a real purple patch for Irish golf. Now we went through a bit of a lull. Laurie really carried the can. Obviously, Shane Lowry wins the, the Open Championship a few years ago. But at the moment, you've got Leona Maguire doing phenomenal things mm. on the LPGA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and young Seamus Power is starting to make some waves on the PGA Tour. So one he for the Black win, Bull. He? he did win recently. Yeah. yeah. One for the Black Book for next yes. year, Druids in racing parlance. Um, shout out Tyler McCumber as well, was on 59 watch uh, for a long, long time mm. today and then just um, couldn't couldn't get it done. He did have a wedge in, but, um, yeah, couldn't make it stick and ended up with a 60. But, uh, yeah, handy handy day for Tyler McCumber. Before we turn our attention uh, closer to home, Druids, uh, I think you got a word there from our good friends at the Golf Collective. Yes. Uh, now, our good friends at the Golf Collective, they have been uh, wonderful supporters of this podcast since midway through this year uh, as well. And we are encouraging everyone, now that the weather's heating back up, things are getting mm-hmm. a little bit nicer, we're able to get back out um, and, I guess, play golf i guess in in nice weather um and not worry about rain although it was meant to rain yesterday as i was playing yesterday but we want everyone to get on board and get a handicap now this doesn't mean yet you have to play in club competitions it means you can just chill out you can play against your mate who's a three handicapper play stableford beat him for a beer afterwards so uh using our code 19th t 19 T that'll get you 19 dollars off your annual subscription which means it's $110 to get a fully managed handicap. All you do is you just send it off to the, the guys at the Golf Collective. They'll sort it all out for you. They send us a little bit of money because that's how sponsorship works on a podcast and everyone stays happy. You keep hearing us dribble a bit of stuff about the PGA Tour and the Euro Tour and the LPGA and all of that. So head to the Golf Collective website, um, head in and make sure you put, put that code in and you'll get a very cheap managed handicap. KM. Super easy. You literally, I actually, I've got a card here to submit. I played uh, Capera here in Brisbane just the other day. Uh, had an all right round, five pars and a birdie, which is You'd not bad see. for me. Around you shoot? Capera. Yeah, leaked a few, say mm. in the 90s, uh, Drews, mm-hmm. but breaking 100 for me around Capera is a pretty good effort, to be fair. Yeah, my um, game at the moment has never been in a worse position. <laughs> like, and I don't say that very lightly. Like, I... 
I am genuinely struggling in the wilderness. With the driver, like I mm. just cannot get the driver to work for me at all. I played yesterday and I teed off with a five iron all day and wow. had a had a ninety two. So I was like, mate, this is way easier. <laughs> this is Brush. way easier than trying to hit a driver. So um, yeah, worked well. So we'll okay. see how it goes Wednesday morning, having a little hit before work. Uh, okay. My nine-hole card as well, which you can do with the Golf Collective. So Let's turn our attention to home, Drews. There's been a couple yeah. of events here over the weekend. Uh, first and foremost, our, our good friends at Blitz Golf uh, got the season underway, Drews. They did uh, down at How Long? Um, and fantastic to see uh, a good friend of the podcast, Daniel Gale. Taking the win, Gailey, uh, as we know, worked. He's been working incredibly hard uh, on his golf game. If anyone follows him on Instagram, they'll know how hard he's been working on his golf game. Also in the gym, he's been um, been absolutely pumping the iron. So great to see Gailey uh, get the victory. A pretty decent field as well. Bryden McPherson um, in there. Zach Murray, Matthew Miller, Matthew Griffin, um, a lot of friends of the show. Brett Rankin. Um, really, really great to see um, a number of uh, friends of the podcast and broader friends of uh, golf in there as well. So congrats to, to Gailey for winning that and shout out to, to Blitz Golf and Simon um, for the work that they've done. They've obviously, um, you know, can't, uh, they're reliant on the PGA Tour of Australasia being set in so that they can run their events around them. But they are on a trajectory for some really, really exciting things, Blitz Golf, and we're obviously proud to be partners with them. And we're not just saying that because we are partners, it's because we genuinely believe in the product. Um, and uh, I'm sure, Marshy, as we were talking about the other day, listening to the the PGL discussion on No Laying Up, um, mm. you know, it makes you think about Australian golf and, and Blitz is uh, genuinely the future of golf in this country in, in many ways. So... Massive shout out to to Simon. Uh, I know that he'll be tuning in and listening. So um, yeah, congrats to to Simon on getting the Blitz Golf League off uh, off the ground down there. And how long? If you don't know much about it, look into it because there's, I mean, there's these premier events uh, that you know are giving opportunities back to the very people who have been starved of them, and it's great to see. All those names that you read out, I'm sure if you bailed him up, Gailey would be able to recall every single shot that he hit across the weekend or it was his victory. Yeah, he would. Uh, but it also engages people just like you and me, Druids, yeah. in competitions, which I think is the great leveller. Uh, and when um, they uh, hit the trajectory that you're speaking about, it will be uh, in spite of the governing bodies, not because of them, uh, because they have been railroaded at every stop so far mm. and it would... <laughs> It would not. Uh, it would not hurt. Maybe the slightest bit of vision uh, to join forces with them rather than fight them. But anyway, that'll be about as political as we get tonight because yes. they're doing wonderful things at Blitz Golf, and they uh, don't deserve uh, th- th- this to go off the rails into an angry no. heated discussion. No, uh, and yeah, as you said, you can play in uh, the amateur tournaments that mm. do come around in the pro am tournaments, but you do need a handicap. And fortunately, we've got a solution for that with the Golf Collective. So, can't do we it. are a literal one-stop shop. You want a beer? Go to Gage Roads. You want some clubs or a couple of shirts? Go to Cobra PM. You want a handicap? Go to the Golf Collective. If you want to play in a tournament? Go see Blitz. You, you don't need anything else. You want a rangefinder that you can use in that tournament? Go see Sure Shot. You want a watch? Glasses. We got it all. Locally. Uh, <laughs> everything. Everything. One stop shop. 
Also uh, happening over the weekend was the 64th Border Open Pro-Am, $25,000 up for grabs, and that was won by Tim Hart with back-to-back 64s to shoot 18 under through two rounds, which is two hell hell of a rounds of golf uh, for Tim Hart there. So uh, massive props to Tim for um, a, a really, really classy performance over those two days at the the border open prime in a good field uh finishing in third place was elvis smiley matthew miller was in fourth alongside bryden mcpherson and brady watt uh matthew griffin rounding out the top 10 daniel gale all of these guys were, were in the field brett rankin again so obviously this doubled in nicely into blitz golf but uh yeah great to see obviously pro-ams continuing we haven't massively covered them this year because the uh i mean the, the prize uh, funds up for grabs isn't uh, particularly um, enough for, for players to really uh, bide their way around the tour. But, uh, yeah, we thought we'd shout out the, the Border Open Pro-Am as the season uh, gets close to the PGA Tour of Australasia kicking off in early December. So shout out Tim Hart. Irony's not lost on me either in the name Border Open at yeah. uh, present. It's good. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's having a laugh. Dreads, uh, just finally, before we wrap up, uh, and this potentially should have led the show. Okay. Uh, and also potentially could have won the short shot shot of the week. And that was any of the practice swings that Tiger Woods took on the range today uh, when he posted a video of what appears to be some fairly significant progress uh, hmm. in, in his recovery. Uh, the caption was quite literally making progress, uh, which is good. Tiger's always been a man that's, um, you know, brevity is the key, Droots. Why yeah. say, why say, uh, 50 words and you can say five. Yeah. That's Tiger's uh, modus operandi. But I think uh, there's probably a couple of things to take out of this. First and foremost for me, uh, aspirational divot path. Yeah. Like unbelievable. <laughs> I, I would, the guy has literally been holed up on his backside for months and he comes out and he look at the divot path. Phenomenal. Stunning. Um, secondly, if this is as good as it gets, that's also amazing, given what he's been through. Uh, and and I think that uh, it's a little bit unfortunate that I think people will take this to the nth degree. They'll mm-hmm. see a video of him hitting a couple of, you know, 56-degree wedges and, you know, we'll see markets start to open up for the Open Championship next year and Tiger will have a line item in there. So I, I hope although I don't have any <laughs> great optimism that will keep a lid on it because uh, I think if he if he gets back in any way, shape, or form to meaningful competitive golf, that would be a true miracle. Yeah. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, I woke up to that video today and seeing the, the comments on Instagram that were, you know, win number 83 incoming in 2022. And, you know, like that's just so pie yeah. in the sky thinking, right? Like it's just... Now, this is a guy, as you say, who's been holed up coming out and just gently hitting shots. And he, and he was flushing them too, by the way. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't leave that out. Um, and, and to your point, yeah, I agree. If this is as good as it gets, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not, I'm not expecting him to get back out on the golf course because, you know, it's very different from standing on the range to going and walking holes you know, mm. one hole as opposed to, to 72 holes of competitive golf to win, to get to win number 83. I just don't know why we put ourselves in that situation. Um, and, you know, he's a competitive beast. Um, we don't know the guy, but we, we know enough about him that he is incredibly competitive and he probably will want to get back out there 
And if he does sail off into the sunset with a handful of missed cuts and then decides that, you know, this is it, so be it. I don't think that we should put ourselves under any sort of false illusions that this is the resurgence of Tiger because it's not what we saw two, three years ago, right? Like I just think it's completely, completely different. I mean, I still want to know, like I think there's an element of wanting to know what's happened in the past six months. Um, I think very much so. There's what 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 happened in the car? Very much so. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, I don't know that it's uh, he he has to tell us, but he kind of should. I think I don't know. I was kind of uh, when I saw that video, I was like, this is interesting because we haven't seen anything. He hasn't done nothing, you know, since the car crash. So I was I was like, holy shit, he's made a pretty miraculous recovery. He's obviously got the sleeve on the um on the leg but yeah those questions just sort of came in and you're just like mm. oh the, the, there's a big chapter of that story missing that, that hasn't been addressed and i don't i don't know if that's right of me to put any sort of um pressure on via just my thoughts here um, no i think I, I think you're spot on and i think it's completely up to him i think if he decides that that's as good as it gets then mm. he doesn't owe anyone anything no, but if he but does decides, he owe us an explanation? Do you think? Well, I think it's again, it's entirely up to him if he puts himself back into a position where he's playing tournament golf and he re enters that arena, then he has to expect, and I think rightfully so, and I think needs to answer questions that will be asked. Mm-hmm. Um, but he may decide, and if, it, if that's not the case, and this is what we get, we get drip fed a couple of videos, and I don't think he owes anyone an explanation. Um, it will be entirely of his own making because he will either decide to step back into public life or he won't. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's a it's a grey line, Drudes. Um, what is and isn't in the public interest, as we've seen in other in other sports, you know, yeah. it's been making headlines the last couple of days. But yes. you know, if you are a if you are a public figure then you, I think, are at the whim of questions from the public. But if you aren't, then, you know, he can probably live quite, as quietly as he likes. It's really entirely up to Tiger. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me either way if he steps away or if that, um, you know, innate competitive nature becomes too much and he has to take a bite of the cherry. Yes. No, I agree with you, KM. What else have you got on the agenda? Because I don't think we've got too much. Obviously, our Black Friday sale has launched. Yes. Um, so um, there is going to be an announcement on Thursday regarding mm. this, but we probably will leave that for Thursday's episode because we've done yeah. an interview with uh, Brad McIntosh, which I'll get you to touch on in a moment. But if you haven't got a shirt or a head cover or a hat or, or all of the above, please do so because you'll be supporting a fantastic cause um, yeah. off the back of our Black Friday sales. That's all we'll say. We'll park it for Thursday's episode. We'd with Brad McIntosh, Marshy, maybe you can just give us the very quick 10 second pitch. Yeah. So uh, people who are keen listeners of this podcast uh, will know that uh, of, of the 170 odd episodes we've done, Druids, we, we certainly have enjoyed a handful more than, than most. Uh, and one of those was our chat with Louis Dobler back in February of this year. Um, Louis is a story that um, we've continued to keep a close eye on and will as he uh, no doubt continues to progress, of course, recently secured status on the LPG, oh, sorry, not LPG, the PGA Tour of Latin America. 
uh, and is doing great things over in the States. But um, when Louis joined us, he told us about a young man by the name of Josh McIntosh, who was an incredibly important figure at a really seminal moment of Louis's development as a golfer. Uh, you know, a mentor, almost an older brother uh, type figure. Uh, and unfortunately, Josh lost a, a battle with an incredibly um, rare condition, mm. um, uh, you know, late last year, early, and and that had a, a quite an effect on Louis. Um, and and that was one of the, the really nice parts of the interview that we we had with Louis was Louis talking about Josh. So um, coming up on Thursday night, we're actually going to be joined by Josh's brother, Brad, uh, as there is a golf day happening at Brookwater which is where, funnily enough, Louis met Josh. And it was Louis's home track, also Josh's home track. as uh, a golf day in honour of Josh coming up on Friday, the 3rd of December at Brookwater that will be raising uh, awareness and funds for the condition that Josh suffered from. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think we'll obviously we'll, we'll talk to Brad. It's a, it's a fantastic chat. It was really nice of him to join and, and share some stories about his brother. Um, and we do, uh, as part of that chat, make a bit of an announcement. But I think it would be fair to say, Drew, that if you... Uh, jump on board and support our Black Friday sale. We won't be holding on to any of the funds yes. um, that, that, are, that are garnered from the Black Friday sale. So uh, I'd strongly encourage if you've been holding out to grab one of the shirts, the hats, maybe a combo, uh, grab one of the good deals that's going on Black Friday because you'll be doing more than just putting some clothes on your back. You'll be, uh, you'll be helping a great cause. So looking forward to sharing that one. That'll be out on Thursday. Yeah, very well said, Kane. Very well said. Excellent, Drew. That's been fun uh, as per. And uh, you enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the hit on Wednesday morning. I oh. hope that the, the driver gets out of the bag. Maybe it won't. We'll see. Um, taking it. But uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll enjoy the, just being out there, mate, uh, as well. I have recently as well. Uh, until Thursday night, everybody, uh, take care of yourselves and stay safe. We'll be back in the years then. Bye.